We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. It's Monday. We've got everything for you. We've got a pull-up right now at Maggie and Pearl, which is... If you were going to bet on either quarterback to turn it around and get to the Super Bowl, is it Rodgers? Is it Brady? Is it both? Is it neither? Go there and vote. Right now, looks like America is with me, which is neither. This is it. It's done. They don't get credit just for making the playoffs either. It's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers for freaking, like, that's that, that can't be the bar. It has to be Super Bowl. No, 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 no. It doesn't have to be Super Bowl. What it, you're telling me, if the Bucks turn around and made the conference title game the way they are right now, that wouldn't be something. Anything short of Brady walking off with a Super Bowl win is going to feel like a letdown. I'm sorry, he's the one who decided to come back. You I didn't make me? him do it. If they go nine and seven and make the wild card at this <laughs> point, at this that'll feel like Aaron Rodgers reinvented the game if he can do that. They're so bad right now. <laughs> that will be just good enough so everyone will forget about this season. No one's going to remember it. Yeah, we'll forget it. No, it's going to take heavy lifting to get back to neutral for either of these guys. Right now, this will be remembered as all-time terrible seasons for both of them. Uh, So we got that going on for you. And now we want to talk a little college football as well. What a weekend. Uh, It is our pleasure to welcome in senior writer for The Athletic, our buddy, Stuart Mandel. Stuart, great to hear you. I was about to say great to see you, but you're on the phone. Uh, Thanks so much for doing it today. We know today's a busy day. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Dude, we're doing great. Uh, coming off of this huge weekend, were you in Oregon this weekend or not? Did we get bad intel? Yeah, I did. I went up to the uh, UCLA-Oregon game. Um, wish it had been a little more dramatic than it was, but really <laughs> impressive showing by the Ducks. Okay, so let's talk about Oregon for a moment because that was obviously one of the signature wins of the weekend. You know, We can talk about Bo Nix and, and want to do that for sure, but what's the path here for Oregon, the way that they've turned their season around after the clunker of the opener? What's the path for them getting to the college football playoffs, Stuart? Well, they'll have to win out, and you know, that means beating Utah uh, late in the season, obviously the rivalry game against Oregon State, and then there's no divisions in the Pac-12 anymore, so they'll just play if they get that far. Um, they would play, you know, whether it's USC, maybe UCLA again, um, whoever has the next best record. You know, as I wrote about today, the the unusual situation here is they lost their first game 49 to three. And that has been a kind of clunker that the committee has held against teams in the past. But it was the first game of the season. It was the first game for a new coaching staff. And it was against the number one team in the country. So it would be interesting to see how that got um, how much they weighted that. Um, after 13 games. But, Stuart, you know the committee as well as anyone in the country. If they're three one-loss SEC teams, considering that 49-3 to outcome, Georgia, Tennessee, and, say, Alabama runs a table, can you really see them jumping a Pac-12 team over any of those teams? Well, I certainly think we're looking at two SEC teams. Three, three seems is a lot. You also, obviously, you have Clemson sitting out there. You have a potential Ohio State-Michigan winner that might be undefeated. They are supposed to emphasize winning a conference championship. And so a 12-1 Power 5 conference champion should get precedent over, let's say, Tennessee loses to Georgia 
wins the rest of their games, finishes 11 and one, doesn't play in their conference title game. That's, but that's just, you know, that's a protocol. It's not a requirement. And if the committee just thinks Tennessee is the better team, they can certainly do that. Obviously, Tennessee had a walkover this week, but what is your thought about Tennessee, Stewart? Is, are they, is this real? Oh, yeah. This is, um, uh, you can put up 52 points in Alabama. You're for real. Uh, this, you know, I think Hendon Hooker is just uh, phenomenal in that system. Give Josh Heupel a lot of credit. He, he walked into uh, a mess at Tennessee, you know, uh, about two years ago. It was not like the, the roster he was handed was a loaded roster. He's, he's turned it over. He's, um, instituted a very innovative offense. He's got a great quarterback to lead it. And uh, this, this you know, SEC doubleheader now coming up on November 5th where Georgia-Tennessee will basically be, you know, I think the, the SEC East title game basically. And then you've got Alabama-LSU at night, LSU coming off this big win over Ole Miss. Um, that conference, at least the top of it, is just loaded this year, probably even, even more so than usual. I want to ask you about one of those teams you just mentioned. Are you surprised – by what Brian Kelly's done in LSU so far, or is that what you expected? Well, I'm, I'm only surprised because the first game went so badly uh, against Florida State, and, and, and everybody was mocking him, and understandably so. He's really turned it around since then. And Jaden Daniels was, was kind of up and down at Arizona State. And when I say up and down, I mean basically he had a great freshman year, and then the next two weren't so great. Um, he's been phenomenal the last two weeks for them, and – you know, his Notre Dame teams, they won a lot of games. They didn't usually have a premier quarterback like this. He's playing at a very high level. Um, and we've seen that Alabama, that Alabama defense is vulnerable, like I just said, 52 to, or, to um, Tennessee. So that becomes a much more interesting matchup in a couple of weeks, the way LSU's offense is playing. Stuart Mandel is our guest. He's the editor-in-chief for college football at The Athletic. And... You know, it's interesting about LSU and with Brian Kelly because the expectations were high, like maybe not for this season, but they're high for Brian Kelly and LSU in general. But, Stuart, do we have to start rethinking about the expectations for this year, now seeing how this team is playing? Well, it, it, they're in a bit of a hole with the two losses. But like I said, I mean, it'll come down to that Alabama game because if they can, if they can beat Alabama and finish 10-2, and two, they're going to go to the SEC title game. And that is not something... I would have expected of this team. I mean, frankly, this was a 500 after Joe Burrow and everybody left uh, after that great 2019 team, they were a 500 team the last two years. They had a lot of attrition. You know, Brian Kelly did a nice job in the transfer portal, starting with Jaden Daniels, but but a few other guys as well. And I mean, that's, that's beyond expectations. I think LSU fans would have been happy just to see them, you know, win nine games and, and go to a good bowl. All right, Stuart, I got another confusing team for you. Clemson is undefeated. It has, obviously, a great path to make the Final Four. But now there's a quarterback controversy between DJU and Cade Klubnick. How do you see that playing out, and who would you play? I don't think it's a controversy yet, just because DJ had been playing so well before that game. And, yeah, Clemson came back and won. Cade Klubnick attempted four passes. So, you know, they were very adamant afterward. This is still DJ's team. The problem is going to be if he has another clunker like that. He had three turnovers pretty quickly. Then there's going to be a strong demand, I would think, among the fan base to, to turn to Klubnik, who is definitely the quarterback of the future for them. But give I give DJ a lot of credit. He had such a rough season last year, and then the first game wasn't particularly great. And then he got on a roll. And I don't know what happened this past week with the turnovers and why 
you know, basically Dabo kind of lost faith in him at that point. But hopefully for his sake, that was a one-time thing. Okay, if we're talking about Clemson, though, where do you see, I mean, they play Notre Dame on November 5th, and then Louisville, Miami, South Carolina, I know just got into the top 25. But who do you think is going to present the biggest challenge there? Is it obviously Notre Dame? Is it South Carolina? Who is it? Uh, That's a great question. Um, You know, I guess it kind of depends on if if you're going to get the best out of Notre Dame or not. They've not been great this year, but you can see them coming out peak level for a game that big. Uh, Miami's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way around it. South Carolina has been a surprise. I mean, they're they're five and two and I don't want to write them off, but um that has that rivalry has been very, very one sided and uh, it would be hard to see Clemson losing that one. Frankly, Clemson just got through this the, I think the hard stretch of their schedule. They beat three top twenty five teams in the last four weeks. Um you, you know, teams teams lose games you don't see them losing obviously and in, in Notre Dame like I said I think that'll be a tough environment for them they lost there two years ago but really they again they just survived the, the toughest stretch they had a couple close calls in there obviously and it's not hard to see them maybe getting to the ACC title game undefeated and that would be uh I'd look at the Sandys North Carolina would probably be their opponent there Drake May is everybody's sort of hot young quarterback is that a threat to Clemson well UNC. Drake May has been very good. Their defense has not been good. They actually got, if you recall, I mean, Notre Dame's offense has been very ho-hum except for one game where they lit up uh, that UNC defense. It's it's frankly, after a one-year, you know, Pitt won last year, won the ACC, good for them. But for the most part over the years, it's been Clemson emerges from that, and whoever they play on the other side is just a complete mismatch, and I think That'll probably be the case this year. I'd give them a better, better chance of losing, frankly, to Notre Dame or South Carolina than um, whoever comes out of the other division. Yeah, that makes sense. Stuart Mandel is our guest, editor-in-chief for college football at The Athletic. Stuart, Perloff, and I all worked together at Sports Illustrated for many, many years. And, you know, we mentioned South Carolina. Obviously, the big win over Texas A&M. Now A&M has lost three in a row. Mississippi State, Bama, of course, and then South Carolina. And, Stuart, I know you know where I'm going with this, and it's the Jimbo Fisher on the hot seat conversation that I didn't think was real. $90 million seems a little high for a buyout <laughs> to someone like me, but I'm not a Texas A&M, you know, we don't call them boosters anymore. What do we call them? Uh, collective person? I don't know. <laughs> Fundraiser? Um, Maggie, I just thought of this. Maybe Perloff could take some of his Adam Sandler money yeah. and and help out, help out the A&M fan base there. Uh, Listen, no, it, they, it's, they, the, the lack of funds there is stunning, you know? No, no, Stuart, we need Jimbo for content. We're not going to we're not going to help his demise. What, are you kidding? <laughs> no, he's not going anywhere. Um, they gave him this, you know, insane contract uh, and then doubled down on it last year when they were worried he might, they might lose him to LSU. But it's bad. I mean, their offense is, um, you know, the worst in the SEC and – I think I just saw that they haven't scored 30 against an FBS team in, in over a year now. And and we're talking with, you know, all those five-star recruits, and like you said, Maggie, all that NIL money, um, not not paying off right now. Uh, I think he's not, you know, uh, oblivious to what's going on, and he'll, after the see he's always been his own play caller, his own offensive coordinator, and it's not working. So he's going to have to make a change after the season, um, bring in somebody from the outside that he trusts, and then actually let that person do their job. It reminds me a little bit of Gus Malzahn, who, when he got to Auburn, was considered an 
offensive guru, frankly, won the national title with Cam Newton and, and got them to the national title game his first year as a head coach. And then it just kind of from there, it was like year after year of, is Gus going to call the plays this year? Is he not going to call the plays? Like a new offensive coordinator every year. You know, you got you to gotta hire somebody and then let them do their thing. And Because uh, that offense seems very outdated to me. All right, Stuart, I'm going to put you on the spot, something I probably should have asked you to prepare for. But so far, we're just past the mid-season, I would say, or the midpoint of the season. What to you has been the biggest story of the college football season so far? The biggest story of the college football season. That's a that's a great question. Um, Stop buying time, I Mandel. I know your trick. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> vamp, vamp, vamp. It's a hard question. Oh, I mean, you you guys are radio professionals. You know, you know that the key is to repeat it back. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I mean, we already talked about it, but it's Tennessee. Uh, yeah, this program has been so bad for so long, and tried and gone through so many different coaches trying to to chase their glory years. And frankly, when Josh Heupel went, went with the AD from UCF. Nobody was like, oh, great, great hire. That, that, that's that's going to get it done. Um, he's got the number three in the country. That was a huge win over Bama. We'll see what happens against Georgia. But if nothing else, I mean, I feel happy for, for long-suffering Tennessee fans, you know. The other flip side of that would be the, the demise of Oklahoma. That has been, frankly, and even I was pretty down on them coming into the year, but I did not foresee this. Oh, they're they fine. Just, they, you, know, you think they're fine, huh? Yeah, they beat Kansas. Um, let me ask you <laughs> a quick question. Um, yeah. Hendon Hooker, like, is he an NFL? I know you you hate one. I always bother you in the spring about this. Hendon Hooker, I never would have thought of as an NFL top 10 kind of pick, but he seems to have like a kind of a Joe Burrow magic. If you're an NFL fan, is this a guy you would pay attention to? Yeah, so the only thing I don't – absolutely you should pay attention to. What I don't know uh, is – his age, right? He's coming out. He's 24 already. Um, would a, an NFL team look at that as a negative? Like, we, if we're going to spend that kind of money, we want a franchise quarterback who's going to be here for 20 years. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, was 20 when he was drafted. So I, that might be the thing that, that holds them back a little bit. But talent-wise, um, it does – I think the Joe Burrow thing is a good comparison. Because go back and watch or, or look at the stats from Virginia Tech. He was nothing special there. He has just thrived with a new coach and a new system. And, um, you know, frankly, he's my Heisman front runner right now and uh, certainly has more work to do to get that done. But, you know, he is he's been a revelation, to say the least. Yeah, I wonder if Joe Burrow kind of broke that mold a little, right? Because he was a bit older. I think Burrow was like, was he 23 when he got drafted? I remember it was always that Joe Burrow was still like you know, Sam Darnold was younger than him, even though Darnold yeah. had been in the league for a, for a while. Maybe that's sort of broken that trend. Uh, last one for you, Stuart, and it's about Alabama, who I don't think anyone has, like, any real concerns about Alabama. But I just go back to the preseason when they called last year a rebuilding year, yet got to the college football championship game. And so if that was the rebuilding year and this was supposed to be the year when they were just an absolute juggernaut, is that expectation living up to what we're seeing i've been surprised i really did think they would be just uh on a on a revenge tour this year after losing the championship game and obviously they've got they've got holes and in particular i think we got so spoiled by the run of receivers they've had over the last five years just one first round pick after another they don't have that uh right now offensive line is not dominant like like you often expect from an alabama team but Nick Saban has a long history of the team. You know, last year they lost to A&M. Uh, nobody saw that coming. 
and they still made the national championship game. Like he has a long history of they lose to Ole Miss, they make the national championship game. So I don't think it's it's time to hit the panic button by any means um, on Alabama. But no, this has not been this. If last year was a rebuilding year, this feels like an extension of the rebuilding year. Yeah. All right, Stuart, we had like a million more questions, but we're all out of time. Uh, we never got to Iowa. We never got to TCU. We never got to all these. We're going to have to have you back on real soon to do this again. Thanks so much for making time for us today. We know it's a busy day. Thank you. Anytime, guys. All right, appreciate that. Stuart Mandel, of course, is the editor-in-chief uh, for college football at The Athletic. Can I give you some fun names of people I just looked up in two seconds who are younger than Hendon Hooker? <laughs> yeah. Yes, go we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.